0: Have you heard the birds sing, the trees breathe, and the rainfall? The stories we tell ourselves are what create our reality. Hi, I'm Julia, your host. And you're listening to Terra Stories, the podcast that will awaken your mind to new perspectives, to reconnect to yourself, to nature, and to become an actor of change in tomorrow's world.
1: In the past year, I've been wanting to explore these materials that I've grown up with in my home, the palm leaves. The bark cloth, thoracia. And I've been playing with this idea of exploring my past, present, and future selves to not re traumatize myself by keeping myself stuck in the past, by trying to anchor myself in the present with nature and through meditation and movement so that I can be more intentional about the future and where I'm going to be.
0: Birunji's journey starts with her ancestors, who always found inspiration in nature for their creative work. Through the use of banana tree fibers, bark cloth and batik techniques native to Uganda, they crafted various forms of art that shaped her childhood. This left her with a profound respectful relationship with the natural world driving her to revisit these traditions and incorporate them into her own life, leading her to become a collage artist and an art tutor. Influenced by her roots, nature, black feminism and Afro-Somatic movements, Birunji employs her art as a means to explore ways of achieving well-being within a community. How did Birunji's origins impact her childhood? How did she choose natural materials for her art inspired by her ancestral traditions? How can this art promote healing? Dive into the vibrant colors, textures and movements of Birunji's mindful art as we explore these questions and more in this episode. But before, don't forget to activate the little bell on your favorite platform so you don't miss any new episodes and support Terra Stories by adding five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really helps. Now, let's go back to the show. Thank you, Birunji, to be part of Terra Stories and to have this conversation today together if you want to describe yourself to to the listeners to uh, give a little introduction
1: sure thank you so much julia for inviting me i'm so happy to be here i think the best way of describing myself is i am trying to be well i am using artwork and engaging with nature and also with my friends family and community to understand what it is that helps me maintain my well-being and also how we can share that together because my well-being is in part to my friends, family and people that I engage with. We share this earth together, we share this planet together with (laughs) interesting success. (laughs) But it's really through understanding how we can and how I can show up. That is helping me to support my mental health and well-being. And um, that's why I I make work. And I think that's why we have a similar interest. And I'm really glad that you you invited me here.
0: I love the fact that you found through arts the way to, I feel like, work on your mental health, help people work on their mental health, share your connection to nature, do so many things around arts. And we're going to go much deeper into this later, but what I like to do is go back to where it all started because it does a lot on, on someone, on their interests. So let's go back to little virunji. <laughs> how was your childhood? What was your connection to nature as a child? Were you connected to to your origins? How how was it?
1: Ooh, I love this question. So my earliest memories are of playing in nursery school with my like, little contemporaries and cousins. When I was around three, we moved to Uganda for about 18 months between the ages of like two and a half, four. So those are my formative years, and, you know, we would run around barefoot. I just m- remember Kampala. And where we lived, just being very green and very lush, so that was my childhood, and that was great. But we moved back to London, and luckily, we eventually moved into social housing that had a really big garden. That you know, we were really lucky with that. And my parents and my aunt, we all helped to like clear the garden of rubble and lay, plant grass, plant tomatoes and roses, and. Ugandans, we have a culture of weaving with palm leaves to make these beautiful coloured mats. So we, that's what we would use in the garden and I would love to spend time out there by myself or with my siblings and just enjoy being in the garden. So it's very integral to my, my being and I'm very lucky that I've always had that I guess a development of that would be just looking at all the artwork that we had in our home from Uganda that were made from wood, made from bark cloth. The mats, which people don't really look at as art, are are gorgeous and incredible and vibrant. So all of that throughout life from Uganda was was in our homes in Southeast London, (laughs) in our little Uganda. (laughs) Yeah, that really informed who I was, where where I came from, and um, luckily, well, you know, we were able to go back every few years when I was younger. So I have that connection, but I didn't understand how things were made. I don't really understand the cultural significance of some of these materials. So it's always just been in the back of my mind to explore that, and I've been able to do that. But that's an adult Brindy story, not a baby Brunji story. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I, I love what you just said about the... Um the artworks that you, you saw that were exposed in, in, in your in your house, like the the materials they used to, to create this does it show the connection they had to nature and the fact that they were using natural things to, to create arts. Does it show, in your opinion, the connection that they had with nature?
1: Very much very much so it's just integral. It it's just what what is you know every family's grandmother would weave mats. I didn't. I only learned recently that there are people in our family that can make the bark cloth from the matuba tree, which is an incredible woven material that you make by skinning the tree. An expert needs to do this, and they hammer it smooth. And it's just always been there in, in our home, but I didn't know how that how that got made, so, yeah, it's just integral. It's just very much a part. My parents, their parents, they all had farmland, and they grew up knowing how to cultivate crops, so they tried to do that <laughs> in in our home in Orpington. but um you know that's what supermarkets are for
0: <laughs> and and that's crazy because I you know now we are so detached from. Everything we buy from our clothes, like we go in a Zara, for example, we buy a t shirt and we don't even know that it comes from nature. Cotton is made from, it grows in a field, you know?
1: Exactly. I learned that my mother picked cotton when she was younger. In Uganda? Yeah. Um, the, the government encouraged everybody to grow cotton for export. So I'm sure that was under British influence. So, yeah, she has a memory of doing that and she wasn't happy about peep out that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like
0: how, uh, if it's not going too much in, in your family story, how was
1: she experiencing this? She doesn't, she has not have too much to say, just, you know, as an elder, she was the second eldest kid, eldest daughter, you know, she was a very well-behaved child. <laughs> you do what you're told. <laughs> and everybody supports, everybody supports the production of the farm, you know?
0: Yeah, and I, when we hear this, we feel like it's been years and years and years, and it, it's recent. It's not that old.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that with each generation, there's been so much change. My mother is just 1075 today, and she wasn't the first in her wider family to go to the UK, but she was the first in her family of her parents' children to go to the UK and study there set up a life there. That's so different from her parents. Um in the postal service. She was a civil servant and her mother was a traditional stay-at-home mother looking after the, you know, many, many children. And
0: how was the culture shock? Did you also as a as a kid did you experience this kind of culture shock?
1: Absolutely. I I think when I came back I'd say I was really lucky in terms of the schools I went to and I generally found students to be accepting and teachers as well, but maybe my mother will say otherwise. There were some children that, you know, made fun of us because we grew up in a predominantly white area and they weren't used to African families. But that's just how, you know, we we prepare for that and... um. My mother, it's one of the things that she would always say, you just need to work twice as hard, you know, in comparison to your white counterparts. So that's definitely something that stayed in my mind and kind of led to the culture of, you know, white supremacy and capitalism and overworking people and not giving them a fair, you know, wage. So, for instance, my parents both worked in the NHS, as medics and it's, you know, it's deeply unfair, that you just are told that that's what you should expect. So it's hard, even though they have unions, it's hard to counter that um, narrative when it becomes true. You know, work will be difficult. And here you are, an African immigrants being brought in to perform in a specific task that they want Africans to be in. You know, you would just have to get on with it. But that kind of leads me to why my work is, is, has been so important to me because it's helping me to decide what it is that I want to live by and unravel some of the internalized traumatic like practices that are integral to capitalism, which is obviously wrecking our planet, you know, the patriarchy as well, and just that double whammy. And then,
0: I was thinking of this also, as women also.
1: <laughs> absolutely. it's. Yeah, My mom said, you know, you have to work twice as hard as the next white person. We're a family, of, you know, I've got one brother, but we're all daughters. So she also understands patriarchy, but it's like we have to work 10 times as hard. <laughs> but that's just not fair. It's, it's not going to work. It doesn't work and it didn't work for me.
0: And yeah, it's amazing that you made your own path to face those obstacles so the small Virunji grew up how did she take the path of arts what brought you there
1: I'd say it's always been with me I've as a young child I always wanted to be an artist so I'm really glad I've got to honor baby Virunji in that but it was really I would almost say I had to past 10 years I have been exploring through a self-taught collage practice, the ways of piecing myself together using African print fabrics, card, just whatever I have to create artworks that I can relate to, so I can create images that affirm me and also help me to articulate what I'm experiencing. And that has developed as I've had more time, but also created more I've needed to. I've really... Come to have some you know, traumatic experiences in my childhood that were kind of replicated in workplaces where I've ex- because I've been grown up and socialised as a black woman, black girl, black woman, I've expected really poor behaviour from organisations who represent that kind of that dominating force, and when I'm able to. And I've been fired twice whilst being um, mentally unwell with depression and anxiety. It's been then that I've really made massive leaps in understanding myself through artwork, these conversations that I'm having through my artwork. And the choice of materials as well is, is significant. In the past year, I've been wanting to explore these materials that I've grown up with in my home. The palm leaves, the bark cloth, the raffia. And... I've been playing with this idea of exploring my past, present, and future selves to not re-traumatize myself by keeping myself stuck in the past, by trying to anchor myself in the present with nature, with my, my eyes, and through meditation and movement, so that I can be more intentional about the future and where I'm going to be. So I've been cultivating this practice of hope, imagination and um, I'm so grateful I've been able to do that and focus on that this past year
0: yeah that's amazing because I feel like with art you're able to tell the stories now you want to tell and believe to the stories you want to believe in now the the new stories of your life and the the reality of your experience and what happened also so you you said that the materials you're using uh, have meaning and it was mind-blowing for me to, to see bana- this banana fibre that are used. It's, it's a way for you to call out your ancestors, your origins. Can you maybe tell us more about this?
1: Sure. So one of the things that I, I learned recent, in the past year or so is that bark cloth, the bark cloth of the matuba tree, was commonly used in Uganda Ugandan East African african households because of the dominance of christianity and that connection that the missionaries saw and observed in the reverence that we treat this material they they demonized it and they said that it's you know it's part of witchcraft and that doesn't belong in in catholicism and they, they
0: love this witch
1: stories <laughs> they everything
0: they didn't understand was um made by witches <laughs>
1: I know, that makes us really powerful. <laughs> and I think one of, probably one of the other things I didn't like about the use of the bark cloth was that it was used as a shroud to care for and wrap and protect the dead. And obviously the dead would then be buried. So think of the symbolism of encasing your loved one in this beautiful, warm fabric of nature and putting them back in the ground to become part of the root system for the future and just the fact that this tree isn't—it doesn't need to be felled to, to produce that cloth it's regenerative it's such an incredible testament to conservation and that's been it has been demonised but what I also love about that is the way that I've sought to evolve and grow it has involved lots of deaths in myself I'm trying to actively kill but also embrace at the same time all these things that I've internalized that haven't that have harmed me but I'm trying to make peace with that as I grow and transform that's what I'm trying to do so using this material is really significant because of its use in in the death rituals but that's also part of rebirth and um, again, with the banana fibres, it's essentially the banana bark. Again, you peel it off the tree, it's, it dries fantastically. It's so beautiful. No, no two pieces are the same. It's like a thumbprint. And it has the banana leaves. Gifts, you know, can make so many things, like baskets and, um, you know, incredibly skilled artisans can do so much more than I can. Um, but I can use them in collage. But I'm learning to, to weave and to make baskets slowly. Yeah. That, that's wonderful. They have
0: so much knowledge and it's wonderful that you can learn this knowledge and do it and share it with the world. You connect to nature and you, you tell nature stories also through your art. What are the other ways, not only maybe using natural materials, but how do you... Tell nature stories through your arts? How do you feel like you're connecting to nature?
1: I think it's there's a few things the tactility and the textiles, and the fact that you have to, there's a season for harvesting the bark cloth. You know, there's, you know, you've got to look out, see what the banana trees are doing in order to harvest that. That helps me to understand nature's cycles and to get away from being impatient and you know, having that Amazon kind of approach where if I want something I can just press a button and it comes to me. I had to be really optimistic and dream up this residency that I had help in designing and enabled me to work with lots of incredible artists and that's why I was able to go to Uganda last year and this year. And I think with, with the work I've produced, it's I'm telling my stories through self-portraiture, but I'm also making installations for people to enter and to experience it for themselves and to see if they can rest, to gauge through sense, smell, sight, what it is to get back into your body and your senses by lying down. I'm always trying to support people to rest, but I also need to understand what the tensions are and what stops people from accepting that offer so it's a research project i'm i'm undertaking and i want to bring people to these spaces so we can understand how we can support each other because i think if we're able to slow down and have conversations or you know support rest and meditation and movement i think we can cooperate which is what i think the work the earth needs
0: <laughs> yeah more collectivity, I agree. And you're talking about movements. I know you, you like to represent in your arts movement dance. And I, I found this. I can quote it, this thing you wrote. Amazing. I would like to read it to to our listeners. And I would like also for you to describe a bit this, describe movement while you're representing it. We dance. We dance to honor our natural environment. They call us primitive. They mind our minds for Great Britain. We dance to embody our ancestors' wisdom. I love it so much. So what is for you movement? Thank
1: you. So, so that was, um, you were reading the prose that I included in um, a comic that I wrote that I was inspired by the Banya Koli tribe dance, where they use their arms to mirror the shape of the, the longhorn cow, it has these incredible longhorns. And it's through that dance that, you know, you're imitating the animal, but also honoring what the, this incredible animal does It's very important and significant. There's just a connection I feel when we're able to dance either in unison or freely, that we connect back to ourselves. And this is what, it's another form of meditation. It's another form of art making that can help us to actually understand our thoughts a bit clearer. And from then we can probably make better decisions about how we treat ourselves and other people. So dance is really interesting. I think a lot of people can be shamed about it and feel like they're not doing it right and it's not they judge themselves and they are judged by others but I think there's a really there's a freedom when we're able to move freely so I've been fortunate enough to know some incredible dancers choreographers but also somatic practitioners who just help people to move the way that they need to move like to have that autonomy. In this world where we are, you know, either employed or not, and there's a status symbol with all of those things, we're kind of owned all the time. You know, you're a child, you're a parent, there's, there's a sense of ownership and decisions being made on your body, and time as well, <laughs> this aspect of time, <laughs> like, and it's, you know, it being finite. I think dance and music helps us to slow down time and maybe for it to disappear,
0: I love it that I was thinking about this, as you were saying, we run after time. The there, movement is kind of seen in a in the way of yeah, running after things and doing things. And dance is a way of doing movements, but resting at the same time and recharging.
1: Yeah, I hope so. It is for
0: me. <laughs> yeah. So we touched. Many aspects of of your arts that, that are very inspiring. I would like to go deeper in the healing part of your arts and the work you do with people. How do you think? We already said it a bit, like how people get healed by arts, but like how do you work with people? How do you help them through arts to feel better?
1: So the way I work with people is to help and remind them that their expression is worthwhile and that there is no one right way to make artwork and only you can make the artwork that you end up creating. So please feel safe to express yourself and to learn a bit more about yourself by the way that you pick colour, shape, form when people eventually drop their nerves and they do quite quickly that kind of time limit goes there's a we kind of forget the time which is really gorgeous but also in making their work they're they're piecing they're they're just figuring out themselves and one thing I really love to do is to help people to make self-portraits in an abstract way And again, it's very liberating and just fascinating how people connect to these works. And with my own well-being um, practices, writing is really important to me. And I've recently finished the first of what will be many, many past, present and future self-portraits, where I'm reimagining the past or retelling a story or reimagining it. I could change it and say this is the past because that's actually what I wanted to happen and in the present you know it's who I am now but also reminding myself how important it is to to rest and be kind and to take care of my body and my mind the future self is just my imagined future like what it is I want to make and so if I can like make of my life (laughs) in art um, so if I can create these images that the aim is that I am by taking care of myself in the present, I don't need to keep recreating the past and then the future will happen because that's what I'm working towards. Like, this is, I'm being brave enough to dream out loud and tell people about where it is that I want to go and how I want to feel. It's exciting and it's making me become more courageous and collaborative and to realize that i don't want to do things by myself i want to collaborate with others and um it takes more time it takes a bit more energy but it's well worth doing it's you know i can see how my art practice has really evolved from me on my kitchen table to inviting a few friends around to being in spaces with 20 30 people learning all the time from them and actually I I learned so much from the people that come to my workshops and just like I learned so much from the workshops I attend by other artists.
0: If you would like to just say something to our listeners of how they can reconnect to nature.
1: The first thing that came to my mind was smell. I think it's actually worth, if you can, I know Covid has affected a lot of people's sense of smell, but um, if you can close your eyes and you know I didn't mean to make this um, exclusionary for people that you know don't have sight but I think there's something about isolating senses that can be quite powerful and can help you engage so I, I know breathing in and taking in a scent helps you breathe so be in nature and breathe if you can find Lavender or rosemary or just something. Everything actually has a smell. I think we just kind of tend to glamorize flowers. <laughs> Trees have smells. All leaves have smells. Um, just take some time to take some deep breaths. And that's it. That's, that's what nature can give us. You don't necessarily need to hike. I can't do that. <laughs> but, but breathing deeply is, has been a game changer for me and helps. Has helped build my meditation practice, which has been transformative to my health.
0: I love it, and I, I feel like it's very intuitive and natural for us to do it. But we we don't do it often, as you were saying. We do it with flowers, but we don't do it with other things. And I we come to our, my favorite question. It's maybe the most difficult one because it's yeah, you have to reflect a bit on this. What ancestor would you like to be and what is the word you envision for humanity?
1: I want to be the kind of ancestor that is remembered for supporting people to be well and that isn't prescribed. I have no right to tell people how to live their lives or what's best for them, just to discover who they are and what that means. That's what I feel like my purposes for myself and to share that with others and I think there's often a pressure about we need to come to a consensus about what to do and I'm not sure that's possible but I think we all need to try in our own way and if everybody was able to reflect on what it is that they can do either in themselves or with others but within yourself is the main step you know who are you don't need to impress other people. Yeah, I think that's that's my message and I'd hope to be an ancestor that supports people to be curious enough to figure themselves out as we evolve. So it's a lifetime process. I think it's fascinating as well though.
0: I loved it. Thank you so much. It was so inspiring talking with you. I don't know if there's something that comes in your mind that you didn't say and want to add.
1: Just that I'm, you know, the way you have approached me, I absolutely love your work and telling stories of the earth, personal and, you know, with terror and plants has been really inspiring. So equally, if um, any of your listeners are interested in connecting and helping yourself or others to retell their story, that's part of my work as well i want to help people to unearth those stories in themselves and those are the people i want to connect with so it's an invitation (laughs) yeah
0: we'll add your um your website your social media on the description so they can maybe go learn more about your work and connect with you so thank you so much Virunji, for this lovely moment
1: Thank you so much, Julia. I've really enjoyed our conversation and to many more.
0: The podcast is coming to an end. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Terra Stories on Instagram at terrastories.studio and on LinkedIn. If you liked the episode, talk about it around you, share it with your friends. That's the thing that would give the biggest boost to the podcast. And don't hesitate to write me about the topics or personalities you'd like me to invite or address. I wish you a beautiful day or evening.